Hello. Welcome. It's Sunday morning. Today, as a follow-up to last week's wonderful discussion on love, uh, as we teased, we'll be talking about lust. And, uh, you know, love's, love's common modern companion. Uh, or, or even master often. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a a good way to put it. Uh, uh, sorry, go on. I just. Um, uh, yeah. So um, you seem to have maybe some thoughts. Do you have a, an opening thought uh, from from last week? I, I know this is a topic you've thought about deeply. Yeah. Um, Maybe to start, it's important to say that uh, I think sort of we alluded to this last time is that I don't have this stuff figured out. So I don't want to offend and I, I seek not to talk from a place of arrogance or putting a certain thing on a pedestal. But perhaps we concluded last time, if I remember correctly, was almost, you know, drawing that line between the two because it is it's important. Uh, I think love as a separate entity as lust. And when we look at our culture and, and the way things are, perhaps the two do get mixed together, or as you put uh, so simply, perhaps lust kind of takes, takes the masterful position in the situation. Where as love as a separate thing is humble and not self-seeking and patient and kind as, as the prayer tells us, um, or scripture tells us. And lust on the other hand, you know, on the total other side of it is, is at its simplest, the satisfaction of a desire. And so to treat it as we would than any desire. Uh, and we can get to that. I will get to that later. I'm sure a decent place to begin is understanding and I'll do this one briefly but the monastic path of the conversion of manners which put very literally is a vow it's a lifelong vow uh, they say even if you leave the monastery it's something you are forever changed by the vow of the conversion of manners which is a, a lifelong process of choosing to change the very basis of which you're, you function in the world. And ideally, again, it would be in this monastic setting uh, with the monastic community, all striving for the same thing, all working towards this common thing. But to keep that in mind in life, that as we are striving to be selfless and as we're striving to, in a way, make ourselves this best version of ourselves that we can be, there is that idea that to do that, it is like it's a necessity to cut out the things that do not serve us. So looking again um, at desire, uh, well, before going there, there's a, a Coptic monk. He actually lives in a cave in Egypt currently in this day and age. His name's Father Lazarus. And he talks about the idea of experiencing that first hand love from the creator and it changes your 
direction of no longer wanting to seek the satisfaction from the created thing, but instead to strive towards that love from the creator. And in doing so, the natural digression is that you want to share that love, and that is that selfless um, giving and, and beautiful love that I think has come up in many of our conversations. And when that shift takes place, it reveals where this, this basis of lust is. And it's something that we acknowledge as what love is. So somebody that is beautiful walks into the room, right? Or uh, dressed beautifully and, and attractive, you know? And, and all of a sudden we don't know anything about this person, right? But it says, oh, I'm madly in love with them. Well, we're madly in love with the way that they look and we're madly in love with how we imagine this romantic intimacy and this, we build this whole story inside and then all of a sudden this person, now this again, generally speaking, this is true for anything, but more, most specifically we'll speak about people right now. It, that becomes the object of our desire. And so where scripture tells us not to worship false idols, right? We, we are, we're making an idol out of a, a person and not just a person, but we're making an idol out of a fantasy that we're having. And so we are striving for this thing. And that in its wake creates all kinds of problems because we will do what it takes to make that happen, whether it's uh, lying in, in regards to building up a false image of ourselves to make others believe this thing. Uh, and we, you know, not even to get into the world of, of trying to deceive folks to, to get what we want out of the situation. And oftentimes, long story short, it finds out that, you know, it's not what we thought it was. And uh, we end up hurting ourselves and we end up hurting others in this process. But that process is based on simply wanting to satisfy our, our sexual desires. And there is, uh, did we ever talk about cookies by Frog and Toad? Or not by Frog and Toad, but Frog and Toad's story about cookies? Um, no. Do you mind if I read it to you? Please. Okay. Um, so Frog and Toad was, uh, I mean, a series of, of short stories, and they all have like really, they're very simple, but they're very, <laughs> very profound. So if you don't mind, it, it goes like this. Uh, Toad had baked some cookies. These cookies smell very good, said Toad. He ate one. And they taste even better, he said. Toad ran to Frog's house. Frog, frog, cried Toad. Taste these cookies that I have made. Frog ate one of the cookies. These are the best cookies I have ever eaten, said Frog. Frog and Toad ate many cookies, one after another. You know, Toad, said Frog with his mouth full, I think we should stop eating cookies. We will soon be sick. You're right, said Toad. Let us eat one last cookie, and then we will stop. Frog and Toad ate one last cookie. There were many cookies left in the bowl. Frog, said Toad, let us eat one last cookie, and then we will stop. Frog and Toad ate one last, one very last cookie. We must stop eating, cried Toad as he ate another. Yes, said Frog, reaching for another cookie. We will need willpower. What is willpower? asked Toad. Willpower is trying hard not to do something you really want to do, said Frog. 
You mean like trying hard not to eat all of these cookies? Asked Toad. Right, said Frog. Frog put the cookies in a box. There, he said. Now we will not eat any more cookies. But we can open the box, said Toad. Mmm, that is true, said Frog. Frog tied some string around the box. There, he said. Now we will not eat any more cookies. But we can cut the string and open the box, said Toad. That is true, said Frog. Frog got a ladder. He put the box on a high shelf. There, said Frog. Now we will not eat any more cookies. But we can climb the ladder and take the box down from the shelf and cut the string and open the box, said Toad. Mmm, that is true, said Frog. Frog climbed the ladder and took the box down from the shelf. He cut the string and opened the box. Frog took the box outside and he shouted in a loud voice, Hey birds, here are cookies. Birds came from everywhere. They picked up all the cookies in their beaks and flew away. Now we have no more cookies to eat, said, said Toad sadly. Not even one. Yes, said Frog, but we have lots and lots of willpower. You may keep it all, Frog, said Toad. I'm going home now to bake a cake. And that, that's how the story concludes. And talking about desires, but uh, again, specifically lust, but anybody listening, and even just for the sake of our conversation, it's important to understand that they are the same. The process is the same of, of want and, and things of that nature. So many ways to, to look at this story uh, simply is that, you know, it's so easy just to do something because it feels good or because we think that we need it. And even if we make it difficult for us to achieve these things, like putting the cookies in a box, wrapping in a string, putting it on a shelf, as Toad frequently points out, there's always a way to come back to that, to, you know, take the box down, cut the string, open the box. And maybe in frog's mighty wisdom here the thing to do is to say you know what maybe it's too much of a temptation to have this thing around maybe i don't need it let me get rid of it let me eliminate this thing from my life let me get rid of these cookies you know because i don't have the self-control i don't have the willpower i know it's not good for me um so let me cast it out to the birds you know it's not not for me and it's hard to speak of this because our culture is one that is, uh, it has this emphasis on sexuality and, and uh, you know, this instant gratification. And when you put the two together, my goodness, it can be dangerous. And that act, that path of satisfying this physical desire with another person, um, it is a painful. There's always things under the surface that we're not aware of, be it emotional attachments or, or otherwise. And to see it that way, that there is hurt and, and dishonesty and, and immorality in the whole thing, we realize that there is this unsung kind of song of, of pain involved in the whole thing. So while it might feel good in the moment and even the excitement of that process, the, the chase of this, this thing that we want. And as we get closer, it gets more exciting. So we, we play the flirting game and we do all these things. And 
it is a very complicated web of, of things. And is it worth it in the end? Um, I don't know. Some, some may argue yes, but I go out on a limb and say most of uh, the major religions would, would speak against sexual immorality. Uh, and if you look at it from a base of procreation, maybe more often than not, uh, that's not the case. And looking again, simply at the idea of desire and the going back to kind of where we started with the conversion of manners and with, with frog getting rid of the cookies, perhaps the more loving thing to do, we talk about love, the more loving thing to do perhaps is to acknowledge what's really going on in that situation and to maybe spend the time trying to change ourselves and trying to change our mindsets and rather than selfishly seek from other people, what can we take from them? How can we get this thing um, to instead throw that out, get the thought out of the mind and focus instead on really trying to see in all of that clutter where love lies. Because it's easy to say that we love people that are attractive and that we love people that are nice to us and that we love people that give us what we want. But how much more rewarding to look deeper and see where love really lies and say, can I love folks that, you know, don't, physically satisfy me or emotionally satisfy me or give me the excitement of a flirtatious relationship and um, can I look beyond all of that and and see where where true love is uh, can be very challenging but understanding that conversion of manners knowing that this is our lifelong process helps alter that perspective and alter that idea because then any time, well, maybe it's a good time to talk about, uh, Tim, did you have anything you wanted to share James before I keep going? Well, I'll say is so, so clearly, um, as you say, cultivating love in the absence of desire or in the, uh, like you said, loving, um, without, being attracted to or or being that, be someone you know giving you that that desirous relationship or that flirtatious uh, conversation or, or what have you um is certainly a process of like cultivating that kind of love for others do you think that well i guess i guess there's an interesting another line between like physical intimacy and lust perhaps is there selfless or perhaps not selfless but not completely self-serving like physical intimacy with another what does that look like um oh man for me it's probably just hugging my mother you know <laughs> but um well it's an interesting question so this your vows are you celibate is that part of the system a framework or your your framework perhaps i can answer more generally speaking and say 
that um, because there's this oh, there's this conversation. Uh, so having a like a Catholic background, right? There's always the conversation of of homosexuality and, and the church's view on all these things, right? Uh, you know, I think maybe you were looking to put our toes in the kiddie pool and I just dove us into the deep end, so sorry. But, um, right, and I don't think that that, if, forgive me if, if I'm bold or offend anybody, I don't think that that is the issue. I think the issue is, you know, of what we can generally call sexual immorality. So perhaps all of these paths should look the same in an ideal world, should be a, a chaste life until marriage or until this like commitment to one another that is not founded on, excuse me, uh, desire, but to really get to know a, a person. Uh, so in relationship wise, um, that focus being on the development of companionship, because if you look at a lifelong commitment, so be it whether a commitment to a celibate life uh, of prayer or a life of, of family, both have, you know, both are, are a big responsibility. And if you see it that way, it's a lifelong commitment, presumably. You know, we say this is, this is a forever decision. I really need to know what I'm talking about. I really need to know what I'm getting myself into. So if we are getting into this for life, as far as a relationship goes, or, or be it religious vows, uh, that religious vows, obviously we're not talking about that now, but either way, um, just acknowledging it as, as a path. But if family life is the way you're going, or partnership is the way that you're going, if it's founded on you know, sexual intimacy, or if it's founded on attractive looks or if it's founded on you know other things those things fade over time and so in your mind if you say this is for life you want it to be founded on something more sustainable uh, because desires fade as we get older and and you look at a lot of elderly couples now i don't you know have these conversations with elderly couples but the ones that are together and so in love, it is less of a, a physical thing. It's more of a, you know, we have grown together and we've built a life together and we understand each other. And it's really that very intense, intense friendship, that very intense companionship. And that, in my opinion, is, is a real intimacy to really know somebody like that. So if that's the case, then yes, I mean, we should focus on developing that piece. And so the best way to do that is to be like Frog and, and throw the idea out. If that's obviously a thing, uh, human nature, animal nature, but if it's not in your mind, if you say, you know, this is not happening until we're committed to one another, then I can at least easily redirect myself. Because otherwise, there is that like excitement of you know, is this the day that you know we're going to smooch each other? Is this the day that you know? There's always that excitement, and that's where the mind is focused. And so then it's like, how can I you know make this happen faster? You know, how many fancy dinners do we need to go out on before you know we sleep with one another? And uh, 
I think maybe that becomes a distraction and, and takes away from things. Because if it is founded on that, you run the risk of a point where the people don't have that same uh, desire anymore. Uh, one might have it stronger than another. And if the relationship is built on that, there's going to be disappointment and frustration and feelings of let down, which always carries that emotional burden of, well, maybe I'm not good enough and this, that, and the other thing. And you've got a catastrophe waiting to happen. Uh, maybe in that catastrophe, uh, it builds into something beautiful and wonderful and, and founded on other things. But if that can be avoided, maybe it's worthwhile to do so. So perhaps we should all shift that focus away from, from that and maybe seek a, a chaste life in, in search of something else, in search of like a real true love. And the other stuff is just a bonus, you know? Yeah, it seems, it's, it sounds like what I'm hearing there is, is that it's, it's a question of, of like whether it's mismatched expectations or false expectations or lack of communication around confusing love for lust, confusing lust for love, um, confusing your feelings of desire for feelings of, of like deeper connection that you want to keep around. Um, so, so it's interesting to question like in the absence of a, of a life commitment, but in the presence of like open and honest communication around expectations and, uh, and desires for each other. Like, it's interesting. Where's the interplay between like frivolous desiring and fulfillment of those desires? And is there meaningful and intentional sexual intimacy that's not a life partner or not a, um, you know, the, the commitment is of, of a different time, <laughs> time length or, or, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you give them masking. Like, I'm, I'm just want to hear your thoughts. Like, like, is that, you know, cause I, I certainly, there's certainly plenty of folks who believe so. Uh, and I was, I certainly, um, had personally, uh, like frivolous sexual encounters. Um, that were desire fulfilling and weren't um you know deep in any way uh and um and i and i tend to agree they're not that and on the you know even on the medium term they're they're not exactly uh fulfilling things you end up with with weird dynamics and strange you know interactions and but but then that's not always the case I find and I've certainly had um like pretty much sexual experiences with people um that have been quite wonderful you know in from a physical desire fulfilling wow that was great way um but also in a you know and 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 this was how it felt at the time, but, but 
you know, perhaps grounded in, um, in a place of, of, of a little bit of of a little bit deeper, like, you know, well, I have, I have a lot of, you know, love for you and you have a lot of love for me. And we also, you know, maybe we're in this situation where we're not going to see each other again, or, or maybe we're just at this event for the weekend or, or maybe, but, but we, you drop in and you have that connection and, and you say like, do you, do you want to engage in this activity? <laughs> um, <laughs> as, <laughs> you know, to put it lightly, I guess. Uh, and, um, and then, and we do, and, and that's a nourishing and a nourishing experience and, and you have ex- excellent like r- relationship afterwards that that isn't necessarily one of lifelong commitment um but certainly um was not scuttled by the connection the physical connection uh, interesting to hear your thoughts on that and you might be coming from i know i know you're coming from a um well maybe i'll, I'll go speak. yeah go for it <laughs> I'll speak to it three, uh, I'll, the two separately, but first, um, <laughs> and you know that moment where you're a kid and you say, um, you know, oh, you know, when I'm an adult, I'm never going to say because I said so, because that's, you know, that doesn't make any sense. And then when you're an adult <laughs> and you actually say it and you go, oh my gosh, I can't believe that came out of my mouth. So uh-huh. uh, in light of, of a similar experience, I'll start by saying, you know, dogmatically, um, you know, it would say no sexual immorality. But that being said, um, and then, and so being able to use that as a spiritual tool to help you understand desire and, and how to overcome desire and what's stronger than, than something of that. Um, excuse me. So to speak solely of, as you said, those, uh, I'm just satisfying a desire moments. Maybe in some obscure way, using food as an analogy, where it's one thing to, you know, bake a cake with a lot of sugar and, and butter and frosting and milk and all these things and eggs and, you know, whip up this big lavish, uh, I don't know, exquisite uh, cake, right? And then eat it and enjoy this cake and say, you know, I put a lot of love into making the cake and I ate the cake and I loved eating the cake and, you know, that was amazing and and I feel like I'm a better person because of it. (laughs) But, you know, maybe cake isn't good for you. (laughs) And maybe just saying, you know, maybe I'll be happy with an apple instead. because it's sweet and it's no cake, but uh, perhaps it's better. I'd be better off without the cake and my body would be healthier without it. And my spirit would be healthier without it. Uh, Just food for thought to digest. uh, Cake for thought. (laughs) Cake for thought. Um, And so, yeah, instead instead of spending the time on all of these other, you know, making the cake and, and making it the best cake and things like that, maybe saying, well, no cake, and I'll spend my time otherwise, you know, I'll spend my time doing other things. Um, so rather than spending the time trying to uh, 
swoon our partner into loving us and so that we can get what we want from the situation and then causing ourselves to to act unjustly because again we are being selfish which affects another human beings uh feelings and emotions and and what have you um and then we're causing them to then uh act on their emotions and their desires uh and we're helping them to satisfy their things as well uh so it's like if I want to rob a bank, do I find somebody else that wants to rob a bank with me? Or do I, you know, find somebody that's going to say, no, you know, don't, don't rob the bank. It's a terrible idea. <laughs> you know, obviously a far extreme example, but I think justifying it that way is just, you know, mental gymnastics to a degree. It's, you know, finding somebody that's going to tell us that our bad habits are good for us. And so we have our bad habits together, but then acknowledging that, you know, we're both acting in this thing together. And, and maybe that's cause for alarm as far as uh, setting each other up for, I don't know, disappointment or, or the fact that we're encouraging each other to do something that, you know, maybe is, is not ideal. And then as far as anything else, so talking from a place of celibacy, um, there was a long time where I had struggled with, um, with this. And I have found myself in a position where uh, I do need to engage with people. It's a blessing that this is uh, the way that life has gone. And uh, in the beginning, it would be challenging because you would meet uh, well, a, a beautiful young lady, right? And I'd have to go back on this in, in thought and the thought would arise that was, um, if love is this universal thing that I know is achievable, uh, we can save that for another conversation another time. But if I know that uh, we are capable of this, if I know I'm capable of this, then I have to acknowledge that um, the only thing separating my love from a, an intimate partner like that and my love for anybody else would be that piece of physical intimacy. So if I can subtract that from the equation, then the general feeling of that love, there should be no separation between, uh, like, a, like I said, a, a partner in that regard, or a total stranger on the street. I should ideally be able to feel that same thing if, if I can take the physical piece out. And so the selfless thing for me to do then would be to take that physical thing out. And so I'd meet people uh, and we would have these conversations and there's that piece inside that would say, you know, oh, we have these similarities and uh, I find you attractive. And, but in my head it would say, but is that, am I being loving or am I trying to be possessive in a way or, can the basis of my relationship be? So you had described a, a circumstance that is uh, very relatable, um, sure to most, myself included, where you feel this connection to somebody, right? Um, not allowing the lust piece to get confused in there. And so my foundation would be in these circumstances was perhaps the best thing that I can do in this situation 
is to acknowledge that we are going to have a very intimate spiritual connection here. And how can we learn from each other in this? Uh, even if, you know, we're the examples you'd used, uh, you know, we'll, we might never see each other again, or um, we might, we're at a, this thing for a weekend or something like that, whatever the circumstance might be. I would want the thing that we leave with was not like, oh yeah, and it was, you know, the thing I remember most was that, uh, I don't know, we had the best cup of coffee after we slept with one another, you know, and it was fantastic. No, I would want the, the walk away to be, the thing I took away from that experience was that I'm leaving here knowing that I am spiritually empowered to be loving towards other people. And I think for me, the best thing to do is if I meet somebody that I'm tempted to um, engage in this possessive thought process, instead to take myself out of the equation and see how we can learn from each other on that level and just, you know, kind of jump right in and, and talk about God and, and love and, and let people know, you know, that there's another way in life uh, without being preachy or, or, you know, evangelistic or anything like that, but just to acknowledge that feeling as a spiritual connection that we are, we can have this very deep spiritual intimacy and by God's grace alone, I've, I've experienced that with, with many people. And I look at all of the opportunities that would have been missed now, not just opportunities to speak, but to listen and to learn all the opportunities that I would have missed if I had confused those thoughts in my mind. If I had instead, you know, talked about how wonderful I am and uh, you know, maybe possessed to these people for a little while and then we send each other on our way is just acknowledging that, you know, this was something that felt nice, you know, but instead making it founded on more than just a, a pleasant feeling, uh, an intense intimacy, but instead it, that same intensity, but minus the sexuality and see where it leads and, and how many then people are inspired thus. So how many times have I been inspired in situations like that? And how many times have I been able to share that with others and perhaps uh, with humility, I can say, how many times have people walked away inspired and then been able to inspire others as well? So what is the greater selfless good? I would say taking that desiring piece out of it and, and acknowledging when something feels really intense and really beautiful, but maybe not jumping to the sexual foundation, but the spiritual connection foundation, that divinity that we can see in one another and, and acknowledge that. And, and what have you. So I hope that that was uh, okay to say all that stuff. <laughs> absolutely. No, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, and it's certainly, um, yeah, it's, as, as you said, um, few, few people will be unfamiliar with the, um, with the effects of jumping straight to some sort of sexual connection or desirous connection. And, um, and, and I'm glad I asked because it's, I think it's an excellent thought experiment is, is certainly, you know, at least in, in the West, at least uh, what, what a phase that maybe many people never leave. Um, and of, of kind of having those, those relations. Um, and, you know, in, in my experience, it seems, it seems perhaps even men much more than women um, in that, in that way. Um, and it, and it does, it does completely sort of cloud the, 
the ability to connect on those deeper levels often. I've certainly experienced that. Um, and, I, and, I, and I remember over time and, and currently um, approach-wise, it's, it's, it's interesting. So I'm, I very much approach these kind of situations um, as you've described, which is I'm often, um, you know, finding myself even in, you know, these days at least, even in situations where it's like, oh, this, this girl's definitely into me. <laughs> um, or some signals are there, some connection of, of really, um, you know, not necessarily rejecting that, but um, just kind of going, going through that, listening through that and hearing through that. Um, and like, you know, because as soon as, and this awareness built over time, which is, which is um, kind of noticing the point in conversation or the point in interaction um, that where, where if maybe I or the other person puts out, you know, some, you know, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's a touch or a brush or even an ask like, Hey, or even just a statement like, like wow, you know, I'm into you or, or whatever it is. Um, and it completely changes the dynamic of the, of the conversation, of the connection, um, energetically and like actively. Um, and, and it, and it wasn't until maybe the last two years or three years, two years or so that I really started to tune into that and be much, much more aware of, um, of the effect of, of kind of, um, unspoken expectations on the dynamic between people. Um, so, you know, in a conversation and, and kind of, it's a, it's a, a line that is crossed, you know, and that line can literally just be, you know, a wink or, or an arm brush or whatever it is. Right. Um, that then can't be stepped back over. It, it, it shifts, it shifts that energy. And, and I think it can be shifted. It can be shifted again through conversation and through, um, you know, communication and, and, but, but it's certainly, um, it requires then, um, some conversational and like communicational labor to then shift, uh, shift again back into a, a place of like wholesome connection. Um, I found and, um, yeah, so, so, yeah, so I, 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 and I appreciate that lens on it, that, that, um, that kind of, I guess to sum it up, it's, it's kind of like, um, there's a quote that, I, that keeps coming up and I don't, and I don't know if it completely maps to this moment or this kind of topic, but, but it, it is, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's awe and prevents communication. Awe is in, you know, AWE, uh, yeah. awe prevents communication. Uh, and I don't remember where I heard it, but it, I think of it a lot when discussing these kind of um, like connection 
topics or how do you create trust between people? How do you build intimacy between people? How do you um, have a good conversation with someone and talk about real deep shit? Um, you know, even if, even if that's a person you just met five minutes ago, um, how do you, you know, how do you, how do you do that? And, and I think that, um, you know, I, I'm not bad at that. You're not bad at that either. And I think that a lot of it does come into that quote of like all prevents communication. Cause I think that that kind of desire is almost sort of a, a being in, being in a place of desire is, is very much related to being in a place of awe kind of like, as you said, it's an object of desire. And when you're dealing with this thing that you want or this object that you're attempting to, you know, um, I was going to say manipulate, which I guess is, is an accurate term. It's not always a malicious thing, of course, but manipulate in the bare definition of like an object that you move around, do things with, uh, interact with. Um, yeah, that, that, that kind of not stamping down of, but acknowledgement of and uh, intentional choice to uh, leave alone of those desires of those that that desire to you know phys physically connect because because this person's attractive or 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 even this person's attractive and flirting with you and um you know making moves on you um even in in, in those situations or which brings up an interesting question um which is In your experience, well, I'll say in my experience, sometimes I have done a lot of work in cultivating this love for others, this unconditional love that you know exists. Um, and I have those connections with people, but that can be confusing for people that have never experienced that. I think maybe that's the phrasing or um, misunderstood by others or, yeah, I don't know, maybe, maybe you see where I'm going with this. this. This is kind of the question, have you experienced that? And, and what, is, what is your experience with with showing this kind of, you know, deep spiritual love for another person and the kind of reactions you get to that. Yeah, uh, well, to give the, um, to tell you the end of the story before I begin it is uh, a lot of those moments have been very uh, profound learning opportunities and maybe many of the deep friendships that I still have today have started in, in that confused place. And uh, knowing that that does happen, I look at the humility in the, in the heart and say, it's not, you know, this is not a thing. Um, 
And if you find this attraction to me, it's you're attracted. I, I say this with humility, so forgive me if it's bold, but that uh, God's, God's grace, you know, it's not me. It's not Matthew. You are not attracted to that. And this is not my path. Uh, so even just coming out right and saying it and not being arrogant about it, not being like, Hey, you know, I know I'm good looking, but no, it's a, but instead <laughs> just to say, just so you know, you know, I know this might sound weird, but um, you know, this is not going anywhere. Now I also don't, I don't think I give off the vibes of romance, but either way, just to acknowledge it, uh, if you feel that coming up is, is not hard to do because then once another person knows like, you know, this is not on the table, you know, so, but I still feel a connection to this person. So let me, let me see where this goes in another way. Um, so I think acknowledging that is very important. And as I said, many of those things, I think would have been missed opportunities because a lot of people that I have met over time, we have developed like very long-term, very deep, very beautiful, uh, friendships. And so even our meeting one another, right, this, this will sound silly, but just for the sake of example, because if somebody is, you know, an attractive female or an attractive male, now granted there's ways that we can present each other or ourselves physically, but just to say I'm attracted to them and they look physically attractive is judging them based on their appearance solely. And so to say, I want to possess you because of how you look, or I want to sleep with you because of how you look in spite of other things is very, uh, very, very shallow. And often we can't help what we look like to a degree. Um, we can, again, change certain things, but um, basing our feelings solely on something like that or fantasies or otherwise is not doing justice to understanding that person fully. We just want to know them how we want to know them and that's it. But uh, so I look at our meeting again, it would be very silly, but um, I don't know. Uh, you know, right away I, I had underst understood through, through God's grace, this deep love for you. And I want to imagine to a degree it was a mutual thing. Uh, or maybe we wouldn't have stayed in touch like this. And now I'm not an, an attractive young lady, you know, to my benefit, you know, maybe quite, quite contrary. And so because of the fact that um, that didn't even come up as, as an issue and right away we kind of like jump right into the heavy stuff and, and we've had the blessing of this deep spiritual relationship where we can learn and grow with one another from one another. And, um, and what a wonderful thing. Now, what a disservice though, if, you know, let's say you were an attractive young lady and, and I didn't have it all together. So, you know, I just kind of slept with you cause we met and you were in town for a night and, and that was it. Look at all the missed opportunities from there that, that would have, have, have happened. And so, yeah, well, not to, to judge folks by that physical thing. And, and if that connection is otherwise, you know, if we feel that, that thing, to try and feel it in the heart rather than, you know, in our groins, you know, uh, to, <laughs> to transfer that feeling to, to our hearts and to just feel love. And that's why you look at, at the wisdom of, of scripture and, and things like that, where it says, you know, get it out of your mind. You know, it's, it's not okay. Don't think about it because 
once that's out of your mind, it's so much easier to look beyond that then, because I know in any interaction, you know, ideally speaking, that is not, it's not a, a possible outcome. And so I trust then, what's the purpose of our meeting? What's the purpose of me interacting with this other individual? I can only fall back on a, a deep spiritual intimacy. How can I make this person feel loved? I want them to feel loved. They deserve to feel loved. How can I do that without, you know, the sexual piece, um, without this flirtatious piece? And so, yeah, like taking it totally off the table. And um, so to answer that other piece again, to, I guess to reiterate, is that I don't think it's out of line if you feel that. Um, if you feel that as like a possibility, maybe they're thinking this is that, to just bring it up and say, you know, this is kind of the way I'm choosing to live my life. And I just want you to know that, you know, it's not, this is not on the table at all, but let's continue to kind of see one another. And if they're not at that place in their lives, so be it. Um, and it is what it is, which is an interesting point in itself. There's a story about, you know who Rumi is? Mm -hmm. The Sufi poet. And uh, they say, you know, he was an enlightened being and, and what have you. And uh, regardless of what folks want to believe, the story that I was told of that moment in his life was that he was walking down the street in like this deep contemplative state. And wherever he had lived was a place of many cultures coming together. So many languages were spoken. Uh, I'm not going to have all the details right, but you'll get the idea here. And he's walking down the street and a man in front of him was speaking in a different language, but translated to his language, the man was saying, um, where is your heart? Where is your heart? Where is your heart? And in the a man's language, he was saying something totally different, but Rumi interpreted it that way. And he says, my goodness, where is my heart? You know, my heart is not on God all the time, but it must be, you know? And so he has this deep epiphany according to this story, right? And so if he was not at that place, um, he would have heard this man talking and been like, you know, what is that guy talking about? You know, that's pretty weird and gone about his day and continued what he was doing. And so to acknowledge that too as a piece of it, because it, it does happen where um, you meet somebody and, and they feel that, that love that ideally would radiate from us and they're attracted to it. And so, as they say, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And, and so to say, hey, you know, uh, I feel a love for you, but it's not a sexual thing. It's not a physical thing. Um, and if that person decides, well, you know what, whatever, you know, this isn't what I'm looking for. And they go away, acknowledging that as, as a piece of it, because similar to to Rumi, both people kind of have to be in a place of openness towards that, or at least a curiosity to see what's really going on. Otherwise, you know, we have to, we can't, you know, try and change people's minds. We have to understand that um, they might hear that calling, where is your heart, where is your heart? But if they're not in a place, or uh, us included, you know, if we're not in a place to interpret that in a specific way, and it might just sound like, blabbering on you know um so not to kind of force things but to trust god's working and everything uh 
so again, for me, it, it's different for everybody, I suppose. Um, but for myself, I mean, the real, the real responsible thing seems to be to kind of, you know, not think about that stuff as, as possible. And if it does come up, to use it as a tool to kind of strengthen the way of, of acknowledging and over, overcoming desire. Uh, how do you feel about all that? <laughs> no, I think that's, I think that's a, an excellent framework for that. And it's certainly, yeah, like you said, it, it certainly maps to my experiences as well, which is this, some folks are just going to be like, what? That's weird. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, there's, and there's going to be some folks who are, who are like, wow, what a, what a relief. What a, what a weight of, of unspoken expectation and, and like social pressure off my shoulders to, um, you know, really, really open up and, and, and open up and be comfortable. Right. You, you hear a lot of, there's a lot of talk about, you know, these days I, I around like psychological safety and, um, and physical safety and emotional safety and, and creating containers in which people can be comfortable and safe and, 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 and I think that that's really, that really comes down to, to that as well. It's, it's about, at least for me, it's, it's about creating those kind of containers in which people can really let down walls and, and blossom like the wonderful little golden Lotus that everyone is. Um, and, and any, any perceived need to put up some defensive perimeter, um, or wall is, as you said, a disservice to not just that person because and and not just to you because yeah you two just you know maybe you sacrificed a what could have been an awesome friend or or even just a good conversation um you know which just it's, that's a great thing um but but a disservice to to the world for depriving it of that connection and depriving you know kind of it's 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 directly against a, a mission of of increasing net love in the world i guess um and yeah so i, I think that you know i i tie it i tie it into those concepts of of kind of you know creating safe emotional and, and physical and psychological containers for people to be really comfortable in and and, and that's where intimacy lives Yeah, and I guess in, in a big conclusive way, um, I understand that that world of um, kind of seeking this uh, possessive relationship with others and um, in what seems like 
lifetime ago, lifetimes ago. Um, I look at anyone that I've had that sort of relationship with, uh, and not just in like a partnership kind of way, but in general, where it was like a self-seeking relationship. Um, I look at those people now in, in my reflective life and, and say, or just like reflecting on life, um, what beautiful souls they were. And I will never have those opportunities again. And, and in a way I, I kind of ruined them. I ruined those opportunities, not ruined, but you know, I didn't make the most of it. I didn't really appreciate what I had and, um, missed maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, no, I mean, everything is as it is, but it definitely is good food for reflection and, and to see what's really, really important and, uh, making that the basis of, of all of it. Uh, and knowing that, self-seeking relationship it doesn't even have to be intimate it could be a friendship it could be a parental relationship it could be anything a self-seeking relationship is is what i would more generally like to refer to is it's something that we need to stop and look at what gifts are really in front of us and uh and really try to appreciate them um ooh. <laughs> So, who knows? Maybe, maybe we moving forward try not to to harbor feelings of lust and jealousy and greed and desire, and and see how we can humble ourselves and and seek to put ourselves last, in hopes, as they say, that God will put us where we belong. But as long as we can humbly seek to be last, it will be easier for God to place us where He thinks we should be. Because um, if we seek otherwise, you know, then we're, you know, kind of living on a different set of values. Amen. Amen. <laughs> what I'll say is that I'm quite blessed that you came over with the fig box and offered me a fig. Apricots, James. Apricots. Were they apricots? <laughs> oh, no. What? The important part of the interaction was not the type of fruit, clearly. No, but, you know, they were delicious apricots. They were. They were. They were delicious. And I was under the impression they were figs. Um, well, Remember I, how you'd like. I'm glad we met, you know. Yeah, yeah. There we go. I'm, I'm very much glad that, that you, you came over and, and offered me an, ap an apricot, and I took two. And, uh, and, and we got to, um, you know, have that that loving and spiritual connection that, that continues to this day and, and has, has led us all the way to, to now and, and will lead to so many more beautiful things in the future. Yeah. Lord willing. Yeah. And God bless you, brother. And as always, you know, I do love you very much and I appreciate our uh, companionship and that we have these moments together. I love you, brother. Uh, have a wonderful day, James. I'll talk with you next week. Yes. Next week. <laughs>